understanding the giggles and the laughs in town, understanding, you know, the things I found in the ice house, the things I found in the dump, and some of the other things about the place all started making sense to me then, and it all started making sense to Terry when he came out here. Yeah. I was finding jars of face creams. I was finding used tubes of different um, hair creams that look like they were all from maybe like the 30s or 40s, brands that I've never heard of and like hair products I've never even heard of, you know? So just different things that seemed really, really odd, along with um, I was also finding a lot of bottles that appeared to be gin bottles as well. So... Welcome to Rewind Design, a podcast dedicated to discovering the stories of Cottage Country in Ontario. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you're a new listener, my name is Katie McNabb and I'm a local interior designer who is on a mission to find stories of how the heck everyone and everything ended up here in cottage country. Every two weeks, I speak to a new guest about their journey to cottage living. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at rewinddesign.interiors or you can send me an email to katie at rewinddesign.ca to share your own story or become a part of my email list. On this week's episode, we have one hell of a story, which just might be the most fascinating, intriguing, and sexy one yet. Today, I speak with lifelong cottager Sadie, who has flipped my world upside down with her cottage history story. You're really in for a treat on today's episode. Sadie shares the history of her Georgian Bay Island, how her grandparents acquired the striking island property in the 60s, and how the whispers of this property's true origins baffled her family for decades, until they found out the seductive truth behind their 1898 original island cottage. There were unmistakable clues sprinkled around the property that took a lifetime to unravel. I won't give anything away in this intro because this story is just way too good. But if you want to hear why their island was named as it was, it's not just the island that was getting a lot of action. So without further ado, let's jump into episode number three of Rewind Design, Sadie on Action Island. I guess to start off this episode, I'd just like to say thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, we've walked around the island. I'm here now. We're sitting in your back porch area, I would say, and um, you've just given me the grand tour, so mm-hmm. this information is all fresh, and you have just such an exciting story that I've I've never heard anything like this, so... Um, yeah, I can't wait to share it with everybody. Um, okay, so first of all, can you just maybe give a little bit of information about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah, I'm an educator, and I actually live in Ohio during the school year. I kind of joke that I commute because I go back and forth so much during the year. I'm up here pretty much every long weekend, and then I'm here every summer as well. And I've been coming up here ever since I was born, mm-hmm. enjoying the bay. Yeah, yeah, I love that so much. And so as an educator now, you've got the summers off. Yes. So do you spend like the entire summer up here? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I come up to open right when school gets out, and I'm basically here until basically the day before I need to be back. Literally living my dream. <laughs> yes. So that's pretty much I do what I do. I sometimes go back and forth, you know, maybe like once a month for a couple days. But this is pretty much where I am, especially being that the drive from Ohio is, it's not the longest drive, but it's definitely not a short one either. That yeah. it's something that I try to avoid doing the commute all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know you were saying, too, that the drive really depends on, like, the border conditions, what time mm-hmm. you're, like, leaving, if it's a weekend, if there's cottage country traffic. So it's pretty cool that, you know, it is kind of far, but I love that you're from there and that you still come here. And I I know, it like, it has to do with your family being from the, down there and just, like, continuing on the tradition. Mm-hmm. So um, speaking to that, I guess, are you able to talk a little bit about 
when this island was purchased? Like, how did your family purchase the property? Like, how did that whole whole story happen? So my family started coming up here in 1955 is when they first discovered Georgian Bay. They had recently moved from New York State to Ohio and... My grandfather, he needed a new barber. So he... Wait, he needed a new barber? He needed a new barber. He moved from out of state. <laughs> oh, my God. He needed to get a haircut. He needed to figure out where to go. Somehow, he became buddies with this barber. And the barber always said, because he knew that my grandfather loved to fish, and said, you know, if you want to know where the good fishing is, you need to be going up to Perry Sound. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's far away. But you, if you want to fish and you want the good fishing... Yeah. You need to be going up to Georgian Bay. And this was his barber. This was the barber. And it's interesting. I will also tell you, if you ever meet any other Ohioans Mm -hmm. who are on Georgian Bay, ask them, how did you find out about this place? Every time they've said the barber. Oh, my God. So I don't know if everyone had the same barber. And I just wonder. what on earth happened? Do all barbers come here? That's part of the mystery. I don't know. And, like, did the barber also have a cottage up here? Or did he just come once and say he loved it? I don't know. I'm not sure. He, like, caught a big muskie one time and was like, you have to go back to Georgian Bay. that is the place. And I'll just talk it up to everybody whose hair I cut now. I don't know. It's very strange. I mean, I definitely do the same. (laughs) I'm not a barber, but I definitely talk up Georgian Bay because I'm just a Georgian Bay obsessed lover. So, oh, that's so funny. So they started coming up here on the barber's advice. And they started uh, renting a place in Inverlochy. Um, Inverlochy Resort, which is, um, it's not there any longer, but it was a place where you could rent cottages out on Collins Bay, which is off of Deep Bay. Mm -hmm. And you could rent there for like a week. You could rent for the month. You could rent all summer. And my family decided, you know, we need a new place to start going for vacations. Let's try out this place that's recommended. Mm-hmm. So they went out to Inverlochy. They rented a cottage for a month. Absolutely fell in love with the area. This yeah. would have been in 1955, summer yeah. of 55. They came out, thought this was the best thing ever. The next year, they did the same thing. Rented another one of the cottages over at Inverlochy. They did this for many years. Yeah. And by 1960 or so, so after like five or six years of doing this, they started to realize, you know, we love it here. We love Inverlochy, but what are we doing? We could just have our own place here. And then we don't have to leave at the end of the month. We could just be here. Mm -hmm. And no one's going to kick us out at the end of the month because it's just our place. So by like 1960, 1961, they were still renting there, but they were searching. And they started working with different realtors in town and trying to find different places that maybe were for sale or maybe coming up for sale. And they looked at lots of different cottages. Um, Some were on the mainland, some were on islands, some were part of larger islands, some were private islands, and just really trying to navigate and figure out what's going to be the best location for us and the best price for us too. Yeah. And that's how they found our place. Oh, that's just so amazing. And what what were your these were your grandparents? Yes. So what were your grandparents doing that afforded them to be able to come for the whole summer, I guess? My grandfather was a minister. Yeah. And um that means he was working every Sunday. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, a lot of ministers, at least back then, I don't know if this is still a thing now, but a lot of ministers, they would go and um, kind of exchange jobs in the summer with other ministers from other areas. So he would come up here, it used to be for just the month, and he would then go and um, have a church that he'd work at in town as the minister every Sunday for a month. And somebody else, I don't know if it was somebody from Perry Sound or somebody else would take his work over in Ohio mm-hmm. for the month. So those, you know, shifts would kind of be covered. That's so cool. And you just have this like big exchange going on. Mm-hmm. So he would be busy on Sundays, but the rest of the time he'd be out here. And do you know which churches? Would it, or do you know, like, what kind of minister was he? He was a Congregationalist minister, which is United Church of Christ. Okay. And um, <laughs> I think then he was working for United Church of Canada, if that's ringing any bells. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But anyways, that's really But cool. that's what he would do. <laughs> Every Sunday he would go do that and... He'd perform weddings up here. If somebody died, he'd perform the funeral up here because he would be like the substitute or supply minister for that month. So whatever happened at the church would be his duty to take care of. Oh, that's so cool. 
cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And so when they finally landed on this property, um, I guess maybe tell me a little bit about uh, how they acquired it, like what what kind of the story was, who owned it before and what happened. Okay. Yeah. There was um, somebody who owned it before named Oscar. Yes. We knew a little bit about Oscar. He was an electrician. We learned, and he lived in Toronto. Okay. And he, he was, Oscar was an innovative guy. Okay. He had big ideas for this cottage. He was convinced that one day, even if it's not at this moment, one day all these islands out here on the bay, they're going to be able to have electricity. Mm-hmm. And he even said, you know, I want to be ready for it. It's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. I'm an electrician. So he wired this place. What? For electricity. Oh, my God. While he owned it. And and this was before the 60s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he owned the place, I think, from 1944. Okay. Or so to, like, it would be, like, 58 or so. Right. But then, I guess... It didn't work out too well for him. Problems happened. Yeah. Um, he started having some uh, financial issues yeah. with his business, his electricity, his electrical business. Yeah. And um, he ended up having the place foreclosed on. Yeah. So when my family purchased the property, it was actually a bank short sale. Wow. Where they purchased it from the bank. Yeah. That's incredible. And so they got a good deal, like you said. Quite a deal. Um. The price of violence has gone up over time. Yeah. Uh, our place was purchased for 5500 Yep. And we were saying, like, even with inflation, the, oh, yeah. that's st- still just unbelievably, for an entire island on Georgian Bay, like, your your own island. Sorry, just outside. I think those two birds are having a conversation. Oh, they So might. cute. So cute. Sorry. Um, to, to ha- yeah, having your whole entire island on your own with... Mm-hmm. with what was two properties. Talk about maybe the property tax thing, because that was really interesting. Yeah. So we're talking in the cottage right now. Yeah. Um, our cottage. There's only one cottage on this island. Yeah, we watched the island. There's only one. There's only one <laughs> cottage here. However, um, after we purchased, my grandparents purchased the island, they started to realize these taxes on the cottages and on the islands are high, but ours is like, ridiculously high. They started talking to neighbors and who are on neighboring islands and things weren't adding up as to why is our place so much more pricey, even though, you know, our cottage was beyond modest, you know, it was built in 1898 out of literal scrap things that Mm -hmm. were from farmhouses that were being torn down in town. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is so not a fancy place, you know, there's no kitchen. There's no lots of things. Why on earth are our taxes way higher than any other neighboring island around here who usually is somebody way fancier than mm-hmm. ours? So my grandfather went into town one day and talked to um, people in the offices to try to find out with the taxes, why Why is this? This isn't making sense to, sense to me. This isn't adding up. Mm-hmm. And they looked up the paperwork and everything and they're like, no, that's, you know, about what it should be that makes sense for, you know, your property. You know, you have um, X amount of structures. You've got the outhouse. You have an ice house. You have your um, smaller cottage. You have the large cottage. And my grandfather was like, no, <laughs> we have one cottage. And they yeah. said, no, you know, you have the one cottage here and then you have the one large cottage in, you know, the center of the island. And he's like, no, <laughs> you know, this property is not the smallest, not the biggest, but I know my property. I would have been able to find if there was a large cottage by now. This is not a large place. No. Yeah. Oh, and so they reduced the taxes yes. from then. <laughs> yeah. They were able to confirm that, yeah, you're right. We we don't know what happened to the large cottage, but you're correct. There is no large cottage here. There mm-hmm. is just this tiny thing. So speaking about the the actual um, like architecture and um, buildings on site. Yes. So right now we're sitting in what is the main cottage. There used to be a larger cottage. Yes. And now there is... Um, there's an ice house, which I've just learned about, which is 
incredible. So I'll get you to talk about that too. But then there's also your original outhouse. Yes. Also from 1898. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go later and check it out for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to. But um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the ice house? Because Absolutely. that is fascinating. Yeah. So um, for people who are not familiar with ice houses, um, back in the day, there wasn't refrigeration. So if you wanted to have things that were cool in your house, you know, to have things that, you know, whether it was your milk or other things that you might want some sort of way to keep cold and have some sort of refrigeration, you could have an ice box at your house. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was a common thing in residential structures on the mainland, all over the place, mm-hmm. ice boxes. And I knew about the ice box, but yes. the ice house is a whole nother level. Exactly. Yeah. So we had an ice box when um, my family purchased the place. We didn't have propane. We didn't have electricity. We don't have electricity now. So this was definitely a very bare bones place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had, instead of a refrigerator, it had this ice box. And the way the ice box works is you put ice in this special area, this compartment in your ice box, and it will keep your food cold and things that you would want to have refrigerated. It's like a refrigerator, but without the power. Mm-hmm. So if you have an ice house, an ice house is a handy way to be able to have your ice when you're not able to go to town and get your ice or you're maybe not you know in a residential area that has an ice truck that stops by once every few days or Mm. once a week with ice for your ice delivery for your ice box so out here being on the bay in the winter and on an island (laughs) plenty of ice there is so much ice in the winter so the way it would work being that um people were living here year-round um we would have people who were going and cutting out the ice of the lake out of the bay, and they would take these big chunks of ice and put them in what looks like a oversized shed. Mm-hmm. And this oversized shed is different than a regular shed, though. This shed is actually double-walled, and the inside has this extra wall, and in between the two layers of wall, the exterior wall and the interior wall, um, you would have it just completely filled with sawdust. And that sawdust really insulates the place. So what happens is you cut up in the winter, get all your ice out of the lake, put it in there. It's going to stay cold, cold enough to have your ice and those ice blocks all spring, all summer, all fall long until you're ready to get more ice in the winter when the ice comes in. Mm -hmm. So that way they would have ice out here year round. That's amazing. And I guess, like you were saying, there's no um, electricity here. Right. But you do now have, which was not original, obviously, you have propane. Yes. Which um, takes care of the fridge. Yes. And then you also now have solar. Yes. Which is probably just enough, like you said, for one outlet per room, one small um, light fixture per yeah. room. But I'm, I'm assuming during the day, you just like don't have any lights on because you don't exactly. need them. So no you just need. use them when sparingly when yes. needed. So that's really, really cool. And then I guess the only other building is the outhouse. And then you've now built that um, outdoor shower, yes. which looks amazing. And I would love to try it one day. <laughs> But um, there, there was also a boathouse, like you said. Oh, yes. There was a boathouse. Um, the boathouse would have gone in possibly when the whole cottage was built. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Because it's boat not there anymore. The boathouse is not there anymore. So the boathouse has a little bit more mystery mm-hmm. to it. I mean, I've been able to hear about it from people who've cottaged around here longer than we have. They were aware, like our neighbors on the island next door. Uh, when he was a kid, he remembered when it was still there oh, because cool. apparently it got ripped out in the ice in 1960 or so. Like the year before your the grandparents year before. bought. Yeah. yeah. So when the place was still for sale, but because it was on the market for a long, long time, for some reason, nobody was buying it, but <laughs> it was there. But before we got here, it got ripped out in the ice, but it was a very large boathouse. It had an apartment on top like a fully done out apartment. Mm -hmm. And it had a 30 foot launch, which is kind of like a speedboat Mm -hmm. that was inside that would take people back and forth. And it was interesting because especially growing up, it doesn't happen as much now. But when 
when the ice came and ripped out the um, boathouse, it was still a fully furnished apartment inside. So anything and everything that would have been in an apartment, if you can picture an apartment, mm-hmm. fell into the bay. And I can just imagine like furniture, oh, clothing. You said you find you found china dishes. Oh and yeah, you, there would just be so many like th- there's so many things in a house. Oh exactly. So yeah. I mean, growing up, and it still even happens now, where you might be swimming, and all of a sudden, like, oh, here's a piece of silverware. Oh my god. Or here's a bowl. Here's a piece of a crock that used to be a jug. Oh. Yeah, just the stuff keeps churning up. It's happening less often because we've pulled so much Mm -hmm. of it now. But still, you know, after a big storm or something, more stuff gets churned up and shows up on the shore. Yeah. And so I guess what might be helpful, too, just for the listeners so they can maybe visualize your cottage a little bit better is can you maybe give a a little description of... If you were just walking through the cottage, what it looks like a little bit. Yeah, I know. I know it's tough to do that, but um, I will also say we'll probably post a few photos on the blog portion that people can look at. So you can listen to your description, but you can also go to the website and look at a few photos in reference to what you're speaking to. (laughs) So a lot of people would describe our cottage as one of those like classic Muskoka cottages. It's very classic shape. Yeah. Very classic in terms of its shape. It's kind of square shaped. A lot of people, um, if they're familiar with the Point of Barrel area, say, this looks like Point of Barrel. It's yeah. like this whole place has just been transplanted from Point of Barrel. But I was going to show you. Into Perry Sound. My, the, like the logo of my thing is like exactly oh this. Yes. <laughs> that is your logo. I know. You did it like, on this cottage. I was like, wow. Yeah. But again, <laughs> that's like the most classic exactly. shape. Yeah. So it's just this classic you know, um, kind of low sloping square shape and just one floor. And it's got an L-shaped porch that wraps around. Some of it's windowed in, so it's a bit more protected. Some of it's just screens. And it's just then on the inside, it's another square shape with bedrooms around like the outside, like kind of on the corners. Mm -hmm. And then a fairly large well, large proportionately common room in the center. Mm -hmm. And it has that really nice wood... um wood-fired, not wood-fired, fireplace. Sorry, yes. it's got a really nice fireplace in the center mm-hmm. with the stone. And you mentioned something about knowing who had built that fireplace. Yes. So the fireplace is original to 1898 when the place was built. And um, it's all granite. And all of this stone was stone that was pulled from the island. And they made it, you know, on site from the rocks they found on site and made the fireplace out of that. However, um, even there's like a giant one slab of granite for the mantle, which is really cool. And um, Dave Thomas, he used to be one of the local Perry Sound historians. He was very familiar with this cottage and um, he used to come over and visit occasionally. And he told us even once that he was able to figure out, and I wish I could remember the person's name, but he knew who built that entire fireplace because that mason apparently would always kind of like as his own signature always have like the lightest stone like the white or like whatever the lightest stone in the entire design up kind of center top Mm -hmm. and he was able just by looking at our place being like yep that's the guy who built it yeah it definitely has that right at the top yeah yeah I wanted to get a little bit into the history of this cottage because oh it is wild. <laughs> it's the craziest story I've ever heard. And we're going to keep the, the island a secret so that it doesn't uh, get out where we are. So um, this is going to be a mi- mystery for everybody. But um, <laughs> I was wondering how, if you could kind of explain how you knew something was a little bit different about your cottage. Okay. Um if you had, like, how, what were the suspicions and how did you figure out that this place was not quite normal? Things were always, I'd say from the start, from when they bought it in the early 60s, slightly off. You know, things seemed in some ways, like, could, too good to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it that you can be searching and searching, you know, spe- specifically, you know, hopefully for a private island mm-hmm. and trying to find one and you find this one that is you know, relatively dirt cheap compared to everything else that's on the current market. Yeah. Way cheaper. Seems super duper nice. Really nice. But 
it's so cheap. And for some reason, it's been on the market forever. Nobody wants to buy this thing. For and it's some been reason. foreclosed on. Yeah. And it's like not that expensive. It was a bank sale. Yeah. I mean, this was not being sold to begin with at market value. It was a bank sale. They just wanted, you know, the money to get it. back whatever they were losing on it. Yeah. But still, nobody was buying it. And you wonder why. It seemed a little strange. (laughs) You know, we weren't quite sure what was going on, but it was a deal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seemed perfect for my family. So they went with it. Why not? I mean, it seemed like the deal of the century, even if it did seem a little weird. Why else has no one thought this is the best idea ever? Because it totally is the best idea ever. Oh, I totally agree. why, Why it seems weird. Nobody else thought of it, but whatever. Okay. You know. People are buying other places that are more expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Didn't make sense, but oh well. So yeah, they bought it, thought it was fantastic. And um, then when they started spending more time here, you know, instead of just spending their time at Inverlochy where, you know, they could kind of get things at local shops kind of near Kilbear and everything, now they were shopping in town. They were making friends in town, you know, with different people who were, you know, whether it was, you know, their mechanic in town, their friend, you know, also ran the local gas station, you know, (laughs) they loved to golf. So they'd be over at the golf course, making friends, you know, at the golf course. And when they started making these connections and making friends with people, obviously, conversation is going to come up about, so where do you live? You know, you're up here, you cottage here. Where, where do you stay? Where's your place? And those questions would come up. And sometimes, you know, my grandparents would say where exactly we were, you know, they were very excited (laughs) about the place. Why wouldn't they be? It's awesome. So they'd be excited about the place. They'd say, oh yeah, here it is. You know, here's the name of the place. Here's where we are. Or, oh, you get to it this way. You know, if they're not totally familiar with the bay, you know, and with names. So they'd say all that stuff. And then the looks would start or the giggles would start. And one of my grandmother's friends, she used to even joke, but like it was it was like there was this secret or private joke that my grandparents didn't know about. They didn't know what was up, but, you know, their friends would be like, oh, that's where you live. That place. Yeah. yeah I used to go to parties there. Oh, <laughs> That's where you are, okay. Like you know. Parties. Yeah. And there was always this talk. The most they would ever say is they would call them parties, but they'd always say the word parties, even like with this odd smile in their tone or this giggle in their voice that made you think, this is a little weird. We mm-hmm. can't put it together, but this is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about why it's weird? So, <laughs> it is weird. And it all makes sense now. Um, well, maybe before we say anything, yes. maybe tell them what you were finding in your the dump area. Yeah. Because that's also another clue. So, yeah, there were a lot of things that, you know, over time weren't adding up. You know, the giggles in town, the talk of parties. Occasionally, somebody might elaborate a little more. And say something about like, oh, these were fancy parties, Mm -hmm. you know, or they'd talk about how um, there would be um, string quartets that would be brought up from Toronto on the train every single weekend. And they would play in your front yard as guests would be coming up from the 30 foot launch that would be brought in, you know, from the boathouse, bringing guests in who also took the train up from Toronto or who were very, very well to do in town. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very fancy place. And we just thought that for the longest time. But growing up here, you know, and having a whole island to yourself, you start to explore, you start to get to learn every single nook and cranny of the place, you know, whether it's because you're out, you know, exploring for blueberries or, you know, you're just wanting to find new cool rocks or whatever it is, you're just going to start roaming. And the more you roam around here, the, the more you wonder about things. And it would have been probably in my like early teens, I found what just appeared to be this like dumping ground. And I realized you know, this was some sort of dump, you know, being that you're out on the islands, it's hard sometimes to get rid of your garbage, you know, especially before there were transfer stations you could go to and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was somewhat common, I guess, for you to maybe have your own dump at your place. And it's far away from where the cottage was. It's actually on the other side of the island, but there was this dump. And 
I think I went back there once because my dog was roaming back there or something. And I saw something kind of like peeking out from between some leaves and things. And it looked like it was a bottle of something. I thought, oh, that's weird, you know? And I thought to myself, you know, I always collect kind of cool bottles and different things that I find that wash up from the boathouse when the boathouse got ripped apart, you know? I find cool stuff there, you know? And I kind of joke that I have my own museum here along like the rafters yeah. and above the windows just of different treasures that I've found around here. So I was like, oh, okay, there's a cool bottle or whatever back there. It's, so I started kind of moving around some of the dirt back there, some of the, you know, pine needles and just started to find some odd items that weren't making sense. And I think I spent probably a couple weeks back there just rummaging through because I was just finding the weirdest stuff. You know, when you think about cottages and you think about what cottage life is about and when you think about (laughs) what you might have if you didn't have a place to put your garbage, what you would have maybe in your dump. Mm -hmm. And these things weren't making sense. Instead of finding those sort of items in, you know, tins of food or things like that, you know, instead I was finding a lot of beauty products. I was finding jars of face creams. I was finding used tubes of different um, hair creams that look like they were all from maybe like the 30s or 40s brands that I've never heard of and like hair products I've never even heard of you know so just different things that seemed really really odd along with um, I was also finding a lot of bottles that appeared to be gin bottles as well so I started seeing that stuff and also in our ice house, which we use for storage, I had been finding a lot of interesting things back there. Like, for instance, there was a bottle capper back there that you could use to cap bottles. Like if you had something that, you know, needed to be capped in a bottle that you could then pop open sort Mm -hmm. of things that like clamps down on the bottle and found like a jar of different bottle caps that were not yet sealed onto something. So it was just... I kept finding weird things, you know, finding that sort of stuff, the all the beauty products. It, I just wasn't understanding that. It wasn't making any sense to me. And, like, what me. normal cottage family would be going through that many beauty products? Like, it right. just doesn't add up. And why that's the focus of your garbage and is why beauty is, products. And why is everybody whispering and not really telling you? And why are they laughing, yeah. you know, when you're telling them where your cottage is? Yeah, I mean, most people, if I ask them where their cottage is, you know, you know, the answer is typically like, oh, cool, that's where you are. I know where that place is. Yeah, they're is. like, oh, I boat by there all the time. Cool. Yeah, that's it's not laughter. It. Mm-hmm. It's not laughter. So when did you put two and two together? So years ago, this probably would have been maybe 20 years ago now, um, I had one buddy who used to come up and visit often. And he loved when we would go to different towns on vacations and things like that to always see wherever he is, is there a ghost tour? He thought ghost tours were the coolest thing ever. So um, my buddy who I used to work with, he came up once and he thought the place was awesome. And he wondered, you know, he had a little bit of extra time in Perry Sound. He was like, hey, you know, wonder if there's any ghost tours around here. So I told him, I said, well, I actually just saw an ad in Fun in the Sun when I came up this year that um, there's ghost tours in town now. There's this guy who sounds like he's kind of like a bit of a historian or whatever. And he does ghost tours in town, Terry Boyle. So um Decided one day, you know, we had nothing else going on. The weather was good. We boated into town and decided to go on Terry Boyle's ghost tour. Oh, my gosh. And the ghost tour was cool. You know, we went downtown, learned all these different things and everything. But as we talked to Terry, it was interesting. We were the only ones on the tour that time. So it was kind of, you know... A bit of a custom tour mm-hmm. and I started to realize as he was talking he's more of a history guy than a ghost guy you know the ghost thing was cool and you know it was giving him something to do over the summer and I guess he had also written a couple books about like haunted you know things around the area and stuff like that but it seemed like he more leaned toward history in mm-hmm. general so at the end of the tour I told him you know if you like history in general I've got a place that might be kind of cool for you to see if you're just like a history buff, you know? And I told him, you know, yeah, I've got this cottage out in the bay. 
built in 1898, built out of all, you know, old used supplies that were repurposed from farmhouses. And it's kind of cool place. It used to have this boathouse and, you know, <laughs> all this other stuff. Oh, it used to have a extra cottage or something, but I don't know where it went. It's gone though now, but our place is really cool. You could come out and see it if you like history. And Tara's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we've worked out a, a plan. You know, he was going to meet us up the next day. I picked him up on the mainland, came over here, gave him a bit of a tour. And he, I walked him through the whole place and he seemed very excited <laughs> about the whole place. And I mean, he's a history guy. I get why he'd be excited, but this was like an extra level. Yeah, like I'm excited, excited, but you know, that's... Yeah, my excitement kind of ends there, you know, but he knew something. Yeah, and the more he looked at the place, you know, going through the different bedrooms and then hearing about the boathouse and there I am showing him, you know, that really cool bottle capper and the bottles that I found in the ice house and the stuff in the dump and like, oh, here's these really random beauty supplies that I found in the dump too, you know, that I put in my museum above the windows. Aren't they cool? And he's just looking at all this stuff and so excited. It looks like he's like ready to explode inside with (laughs) excitement, but he's like also at the same time not talking. And finally, at the end of the tour, he was saying like, I feel I need to confirm some stuff, but I think I know this place. (laughs) And I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you know this place? I just told you about this place yesterday on the ghost tour. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, like, I feel like historians in town have told me about this place, you know, because I'm kind of a bit more of an up and coming history buff, you know, and older generations have been telling me about the history of town, telling me the history about the bay and all the different islands and all those things. And I think I know your place. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, there's this place. It's out on the bay. I don't know where it is. It's an island. And the older historians have told me about it before, that it it wasn't like a normal cottage. It was kind of like a party island where it was more for entertaining. There was a large cottage on the place which was for the owners. And then there was a smaller cottage where the parties were. Mm -hmm. And these parties were quite the parties. Yes. Um, There was bootlegging going on and there was um, gin that was being run from the island back and forth between other places because prohibition was happening in Perry Sound until like the mid Mm fifties with the Beatty Covenant. Mm -hmm. So this was going on for quite some time and the place there was like, gambling involved there it also was a brothel (laughs) and all these things were happening in this party cottage and i've asked so many times the older historians where is this place they'll talk about it but they won't ever say where it is they won't ever give names Mm -hmm. and i think i've just found the place yeah he said and understanding the giggles and the laughs in town Understanding, you know, the things I found in the ice house, the things I found in the dump and some of the other things about the place all started making sense to me then. And it all started making sense to Terry when he came out. Yeah. So when he left, he said, you know, I need to I need to check on this, but I think this is it. And I heard from him then. He emailed me, I think, a week or two later, saying that he had talked to some of those older historians to say, you know, I know you've always said this stuff about this magical party island, but you've never been willing to tell me what it is. But I think I found it. Yeah. And he talked about what he had learned and where he had gone. And they confirmed it was it. Yeah. And he asked for more information at that point, And... The other historians told him no. And why? They said that there were still people in town who were alive, who were customers here, and who had um, been at a lot of those parties, Mm -hmm. as some people in town giggling would call them. Mm -hmm. And he was not willing to talk about it as long as those people were alive. Wow. That's just so amazing. Like, I... I wish I could have come to some of these parties because I feel like they would have been just, 
out of this world and crazy. And the string quartet playing in the front yard, I just can't imagine. Like, I can totally see it happening. And you can tell the property was well kept because you showed me those stone pathways. Oh, yeah. Every path is lined with stone on both sides. I mean, this was a well-manicured place. Oh, and it's definitely a beautiful beautiful island beautiful property you said there's juniper on this island tons which they, of juniper you know makes sense with the gin absolutely i mean juniper is native obviously to the area however the proportion of juniper we have here does make it seem as if it was probably planted here instead of just oh, naturally occurring you right. know usually when you see juniper out on the bay you know it might be a random bush here or there you know in some sort of like cracks of rocks and things like this this is just areas covered in juniper Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. oh my god that's so crazy and and I guess like from my perspective it does kind of make sense that this cottage would have been more the working cottage right because Mm -hmm. your family put the um kitchen in when they after they purchased it so this this specific cottage not the big one didn't have a kitchen Mm -hmm. it had four bedrooms with a living room like it didn't quite make sense for it to be like a regular cottage yeah so it all kind of adds up it's very interesting tiny bedrooms no storage that was another thing that terry kind of put together he's like these are all tiny bedrooms no storage there is a peephole in one of the bedroom doors that's kind of low down and that's weird (laughs) And yeah, there's no co- there's no kitchen either. You know, yeah. there was and this back porch we're in and now. That was it. Yeah, and like this back porch is definitely like a, a an added bedroom. Mm-hmm. There's a day bed in here. This is where I would want to sleep. It's so nice, good breeze in here. But this would have just been a screened in porch. Yeah. So this is just like additional square footage. So it's just so interesting. Oh, so so interesting. Like I. Most people I interview have a good family history story to tell, but they haven't found out nearly as much information as you have. So it's just like incredibly interesting. Um, Let me just see if there are any other questions because you've probably answered most of them by now. Oh, I guess just back to being on an island. Like, yeah. What are your main struggles about being on here? Because I know you don't have a septic. You've got the outhouse. Um, is there anything that does, I guess, does any of it bother you or you're really happy to keep it this way? I'm totally fine with that. I mean, I grew up spending every single summer here just using that. So to me, it's always been second nature. You know, we were talking before about how different cottages can be and the concept of cottaging can mean so many different things to so many people. I can talk to somebody, you know, just a couple kilometers away and they could even be on an island as well. Mm -hmm. And their definition of cottaging is going to be different because every cottage in itself is so unique. Mm -hmm. And if you grew up always with septic, you probably would not want to be here. (laughs) But being that I've grown up and spent my entire life with an 1898 two-hole, two-seater outhouse. It's a pretty sweet outhouse. This is something that, you know, I never would think twice about because it's just completely normal to me. And second nature. Yeah. Oh, and also before I forget to talk about this, um, you come out here all year round. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, being that I'm an educator, I obviously have summers off. So I spend my summers up here. However, every single time I get a chance, like for any sort of long weekend or anything, during the school year, I'm out here as well. So whether it's, um, I always get in Northeast Ohio, there's um, a long weekend that typically falls on the same weekend as Canadian Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I'll always be out here for that. And actually, um, I kind of host a Canadian Thanksgiving for all my Canadian neighbors, which is hilarious that they all come to the American American (laughs) island to have their Thanksgiving and we have a party out here for that. So to celebrate Thanksgiving. So yeah, I come out here for Thanksgiving. And then um, once the ice is in and the ice is solid, every time I have a long weekend, whether it's MLK weekend, um, or whether it's um, President's Day weekend, which always matches up with family day, I'll be out here if the ice is good as well for that. Or even March break, if the ice is still good. For instance, um, this past year, I had to come out and deal many, many, many weekends (laughs) with a mouse infestation. So I 
I was out here even in March, probably one of the last days that the ice would have been considered safe. safe. And even not everybody might consider it safe, but I considered it safe enough. And you I've come fallen out on in before, and so you, it's fine. Oh my god! Oh my god! What? Yes. Oh no! I didn't know that. <laughs> and you're here, okay? That's great. Oh, yeah. But you come out on snowshoes, yes. So that's a lot safer than being like on a snow machine right. or something really heavy. So that that does make yeah. sense. Try to but... displace the weight a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The snowshoes would help with that, and you're not too far from where you dock, so yeah. Um, that's just amazing. Like I've been, I've been out to my cottage on the South Channel once in the winter. It, I think it was 2021. It was last year, and um, we snowmobiled out, and um, it's pretty far because there's so many areas in the South Channel that don't freeze mm-hmm. because they're really skinny and like the water's always running. There's always a current, so we have to kind of like loop onto mainland and onto different islands, and the the path is just a lot longer than if you were to go by boat and. Um, our cottage is also not insulated, and so it's really cold, and our wood stove is not very efficient. So I feel like it's probably similar to this. And we just went through, like, three hockey bags of wood. Mm-hmm. Like, so much wood. So how long would you stay out for if you um, were here in the winter? It just depends. I mean, if it's, yeah. like, a long weekend and it's still, like, late fall or something, I'd be out here for the whole long weekend. If it's something where I'm here and it's family day weekend, let's say, it might be just for like a day or something, you know, I might spend one night out here depending on the weather, but depending on the ice situation, but usually it'll be just like for a day or I'll come out only just during the day and like stay on mainland maybe at night. Yeah. It might be a bit warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like stay with friends or a hotel or? I usually, I I stay with friends as long as they're in town. I've got some buddies on the mainland that I typically just stay with. We need a place to stay. I've got an extra bedroom. (laughs) But yeah, that's so cool. Um, I guess my, a few of my last questions are more so like, what's your favorite part of being up here? Your favorite part of the cottage? I know there's so many. There's probably so many. I don't know. To me, it's just always felt like home. I mean, it's one of those things. Me too. And my mom used to say it too, that like, you know, in life and even during like a year, so much can happen, you know, to a person or whatever, you know, but the, the cottage and the island has always been a constant that, you know, no matter what happens, you can just go and it's, it's there. That's a resounding answer I've heard from everyone that I've interviewed is just the, it's more so... The feeling of being at the cottage is just so special and like the memories you have here and just you never feel more relaxed than when you're at the cottage. And that's just the most amazing feeling. Absolutely. So I, I totally get what you mean when you say that. And where our cottage is too, just the sense of community we have there and the sense of comfort. It's like you come back there and you just feel like, ah. Absolutely. I'm back and I love being here. It's just the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess, um, like, what kind of activities do you do here mainly? Well, it depends. I mean, who's here? There's, it depends who's here, obviously. And it also sometimes depends on the day of the week. Um, mm. I've got a lot of fantastic neighbors. But I am the only one who's an educator. Yeah. So I'm the only one who's able to be here like long term yeah. when it comes to summer. So um, a lot of the people that I grew up with who are like similar age to me that are on nearby islands, we used to hang out all summer long because they would cottage all summer long and just live at their places, you know. But now that they're adults, things change. I'm the only one who's got like the entire summer off. But on weekends, you know, I'll be hanging out with the neighbors and things like that who have been my neighbors since I was born or since they were born, you know, because though, um, you know, property, you know, in town and everything or on mainland, you know, might change hands more often. When it comes to the islands, I mean, the islands just don't change hands very very often. often. I mean, my family, being that they got this place in the early 60s, were the newest people Mm -hmm. to the area. I mean, the people next door, you know, it's been in their family since like the 40s or something. Um, Most of the people on some of the larger islands around here, it's similar sort of thing, you know, that they were the first owners of, or their families were the first owners. So it's, they've got that continuity. So I love hanging out with all those people yeah. and everything, which is really, really cool. But most of them are only up on weekends, unfortunately. Or they'll take point. a week off here and there. Yeah. Probably. 
Um, the, the one last thing that I wanted to say, which I forgot to talk about with you, is you said during World War II oh, that yes. there was some people living here, yes. which is so cool. Yes. Can you talk about that for a second? So one of the things that one of the local historians who wouldn't share all their information with me <laughs> about our place. But they tell you this. They did tell me some things. You know, I learned from them, you know, who built the uh, fireplace, things like that. They were willing to share that information. Yeah. Just not about the parties. Yeah. Um, one of the things, though, they shared was that during uh, World War II, and I think maybe during World War One as well, uh, this place was also lived in year-round then. And it wasn't by the typical people. Somehow they worked something out, I guess. And um, people who worked at the old CIL factories wouldn't just live in Nobel or live on the mainland. Um, they were living out on different islands in the area and living in those places that were not winterized. They weren't ready, you know, and insulated or things like that. And they would live year round and get over to the factories over at CIL year-round to work during World War One or during World War Two, and they'd be working over there, getting stuff done, whether it was they'd boat over, you know, during the better weather or, you know, when there's ice, because obviously there's ice in the winter, they would be going and, you know, walking over on the ice. I don't know what they would do during that period of time, you know, during the early winter and, like, the early spring, though, where, where it's not quite safe. It's neither, you know, it's neither water, it's not neither ice, you know. I don't know quite what they would do then, but the rest of the time they'd be out here living year-round. Yeah, and you said you found things like washing machine, yeah. like old ringer machines and things like that, so you know that people were here full-time, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to me because it, it wouldn't be warm. No. So you, you wonder how they would have lived here all winter. Yeah. I know when we got the place, there were tons and tons and tons of, like, old, like, army, like, wool blankets, blankets and things like that. So I think it was just using the fireplace and trying to keep warm with that. And using I think people were more hardy back then. The wool blankets. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so cool. That's so, so cool. Um I think you've answered all my questions. Okay. You've given us some great info and... Thank you so, so much for letting me come here into your place. I am so blown away by what great shape it's in still and like how beautiful it is. And I love the screened in porch at the front. I just like want to sit there and read a book. It's so pretty. And um, I'm obviously also a Georgian Bay lover. So I totally get why you want to spend your time up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, really appreciate taking the time to speak to me. No so problem. I just want to say thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You are welcome. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much. Thanks. And I'm cool with us being a mystery place where we don't say where we are. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this story, please give me a five star on Spotify. I would really appreciate it. It really helps um, me continue the podcast and keep it going. And if you would like to support this podcast, please follow along to patreon.com slash rewind design. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash rewind design. If you would like to support the show in other ways or share your own story, please send an email to katie, k-a-t-y at rewinddesign.ca or give me a call at 416-822-7489. Your donations help to run the podcast and costs associated with recording equipment and travel. 10% of all donations will be donated to the Georgian Bay Land Trust. Thank you so much. Your support means everything.